This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. This podcast brought to you by My Patriot Supply. Did you miss the chance to get a 72-hour emergency food supply with free shipping for just 10 bucks? What's wrong with you? Don't worry. Call 888-411-7440 right now. They have a few left, and they're selling out fast. 888-411-7440. What are you waiting for? A disaster? Do it right now. 888-411-7440. This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. Folks, we're playing small ball in the war on terror. We're playing small ball. We're nipping at the edges in trying to defeat Islamic terror, not only overseas, but more importantly, at home here in the United States. And I'm going to make the case that it is time to suspend habeas corpus like Abraham Lincoln did during the Civil War as a tool, a necessary tool to deal with this homegrown terrorist and recruitment problem here in the United States. I've made that suggestion before, but now I'm really going to push it. And I know you're saying to yourself, well, wait a minute, big fella. What about the United States Constitution? Many of you know I am a constitutional sheriff. I love the Constitution. I adhere to the Constitution. And I want to direct you to Article 1, Section 9 of that United States Constitution. And it says in part under Section 9, The privilege of the writ of habeas corpus shall not be suspended unless when, in cases of rebellion or invasion, the public safety may require it. Therefore, it is constitutional to do. Abraham Lincoln did it during the Civil War. And yes, he faced a lot of blowback for it, but it's permissible under the United States Constitution. We are under invasion here at home with the homegrown terrorist threat with the terrorist cells in the United States. Our poor immigration has allowed terrorists, Islamic terrorists, out of the homeland, trying to find them and identify them and and, and arrest them one by one like the FBI is doing is stupid. We will not arrest our way out of this. We need bold and aggressive action, much like George Washington when he declared independence from Great Britain. Much like Harry Truman when he ordered that the atomic bomb be dropped on Japan. Now repeat, much like Abraham Lincoln during the Civil War in order to preserve the Union, protect it from invasion, and for the public safety, suspended habeas corpus. George W. Bush showed a little bit of it when he signed off on waterboarding of known terrorists to get information in order to save Americans. Obama, President Obama, went one time, he stuck his toe in it, when he okayed and said he had the authority to use deadly force overseas against American citizens when he killed or ordered the killing of Al-Awlaki, the Yemeni, although he's a citizen of the United States, a Yemeni bomb maker, 
He said he had the authority to kill Americans without due process. That's bold and aggressive. But that's as far as it went with him. And so I, I, I saw another story about the FBI arrested another terrorist for some internet activity or somebody engaging in terrorism, not a terrorist, and charged them under the federal statute of aiding or supplying comfort to the enemy, some innocuous statute. I suggest that it's treason. And I I suggest that our commander-in-chief ought to utilize Article 1, Section 9 and take all of these individuals that are suspected, these ones on the Internet, spewing jihadi rhetoric, not just because of some innocuous uh, statement. I'm not going to go that far. But like the woman out in San Bernardino who pledged allegiance to ISIS, that's beyond the pale to scoop them up, charge them with treason, and under habeas corpus, detain them indefinitely at Gitmo. Why would we want to fill our jails and prisons with these known terrorists? All we're going to do is set up terrorist recruitment camps inside our jails and prisons in the United States. We have no idea how many people out there have pledged allegiance or supporting ISIS, giving aid and comfort. But I would suggest hundreds of thousands. I would suggest maybe a million. It's just a guess. And then you take the known terrorists that are here. And you think we're going to arrest all these people and put them in jails and then sentence them to prison? It's idiotic. Gitmo, and hold them indefinitely under a suspension of habeas corpus. We're at war. This is a time of war. Bold and aggressive action is needed. Now I talk about Article 1, Section 9, and I'll repeat it. The privilege of the writ of habeas corpus shall not be suspended unless, when in cases of rebellion or invasion, the public safety may require it. It's pretty clear that the public safety after San Bernardino, and even before San Bernardino, how about the Boston Marathon? How about Fort Hood? How about Chattanooga? The public safety requires it. I think every GOP, including and the Democrat, candidates for President of the United States ought to be asked, Would you go as far as suspending habeas corpus to protect America from Islamic terror? We need an answer out of them. Every one of them. I don't want another commander-in-chief like Barack Obama. I want somebody who's going to be bold and aggressive in leading and would go that far if they felt it was necessary. We don't get bold and aggressive, though, folks. We get small ball. I want to read something here from uh, Gilder Lerman is the site, the Institution of American History. On the suspension of habeas corpus in 1862 by President Abraham Lincoln, it says the doctrine of habeas corpus is a right of any, any, 
person under arrest to appear in person before the court to ensure that they have not been falsely accused. That's a right we enjoy as a citizen of the United States. The United States Constitution specifically protects the right of Article 1, this right in Article 1, Section 9. Quote, the privilege of the writ of habeas corpus shall not be suspended unless when in cases of rebellion or invasion, the public safety may require it. Lincoln initially suspended habeas corpus in the volatile border state of Maryland in order to try large numbers of civilian rioters in, in military courts and to prevent the movement of Confederate troops on Washington. When I talk about, that's treason. Gitmo. The order was eventually extended in response to different threats. In the summer of 1862, President Lincoln called up the state militias, leading to increased opposition to the Civil War within the Union. The suspension of habeas corpus was one of Lincoln's most controversial decisions. In the spring of 1863, General Ambrose Burnside arrested Peace Democrat Clement Waldingheim, who had been critical of the U.S. government and banned publication in the Chicago Times, which was supportive of Valandingheim. Burnside's action drew widespread criticism, to which Lincoln responded by reducing Vlandenheim's sentence and revoking Burnside's order suppressing the Times. Lincoln defended himself against charges that his administration had subverted the Constitution, however, arguing that acts that might be Ill- but illegal in peacetime might be necessary in cases of rebellion when the nation's survival was at stake. And I will suggest to you that the survival of the United States right now is at stake. David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. This podcast brought to you by My Patriot Supply. Did you miss the chance to get a 72-hour emergency food supply with free shipping for just 10 bucks? What's wrong with you? Don't worry, call 888-411-7440 right now. They have a few left and they're selling out fast. 888-411-7440. What are you waiting for? A disaster? Do it right now. 888-411-7440. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. Moving on to another matter. Once again, the GOP-led Congress pulled the football out from under us as we were ready to attempt to kick similar to what Lucy does to Charlie Brown each and every time. And each and every time she promises not to do it, he falls for it. He takes the cheese. You'll hear that reference from me a lot going forward. Don't take the cheese. You know, the mouse trap said it, put a piece of cheese on it. The mouse comes along and the cheese is just too enticing. And as soon as the mouse goes to eat the cheese, snap. That's what is meant by don't take the cheese. It may seem enticing, but don't do it. So we had several bills in Congress recently. Only one of them really made news, and that was the continuation of the uh, budget, the omnibus spending that increased spending by about $1.2 trillion. And it amounted to, from what I read, $575 million per page of the bill in spending. Once again, we conservatives were let down by this GOP-led Congress, and we were given a litany of excuses. 
we were told, well, this was a remnant of John Boehner. He had set this up and we didn't have time. Otherwise, we would have been facing a government shutdown. So we thought, let's just pass this and, and move forward into 2016. But here's the problem with that. This thing continues to fund Planned Parenthood. This thing continues to fund Obama's illegal immigration. It continues to fund the climate change nonsense. And Paul Ryan, who's a friend of mine, and the only reason I mention that is not to name drop, but just to prove to you once again, there are no sacred cars, cows. There are no sacred cows here on the people's sheriff. Friend or foe, you're going to receive the same sort of scrutiny. I would like to think that Paul Ryan should have pulled this bill back, adopted a continuing resolution to fund the government for the next 60 or 90 days, work through the Christmas break. Oh, you can't do that. They couldn't wait to get away for the Christmas break. So instead they threw this pig of a piece of legislation on us and, and got out of town. Paul Ryan should have pulled this back and started over. And if he didn't want to deal with the, the threat of a government shutdown, do a continuing resolution, fund this stuff for the next 90 days, and go to work and put together a conservative bill regarding government regulation or an expansion of less spending, true tax breaks, true tax cuts, not the stuff 10 years down the road or you know, the stuff that doesn't really amount to anything when you look at the amount of spending. There was more spending than tax breaks in this thing. But I want to talk about another piece of, piece of legislation that didn't get as much publicity, but I think it's an, another example of how the GOP-led Congress is not serious. They're not listening to us. There was a bill passed that basically expands federal involvement in education. Now, read what it says here. This is from the Conservative Review. This vote was to reauthorize No Child Left Behind through 2020. No Child Left Behind represented an unprecedented expansion by the federal government into education. Overall, this reauthorization legislation is a missed opportunity for a Republican-controlled Congress to empower parents and put children first. Education is an issue that is near and dear to families and represents an opportunity for Republicans to lay down a bold contrast of family-first policies. Conservatives believe education decisions should be made by state and local officials, as do I, by the way. Yet this bill retains the fundamental mandate requiring states to concoct uniform standards in reading and math that would be applied statewide throughout all jurisdictions. The bill keeps the plethora of federal testing requirements that have been the driving force behind the adoption of Common Core. Likewise, it does nothing to address the duplicate and wasteful programs funded by the Department of Education, but in reality actually expands education control into preschool programs. Instead of renewing the 2001 law with minor changes, conservatives should be implementing sweeping reforms that allow states to drive innovation in their own school district. This thing passed easily. This thing passed in a 
GOP-controlled Congress easily. I believe that education is a states' rights issue. I believe education is about local control at the state level, not the federal level. I think the Department of Education in Washington, D.C. should be abolished. This is the sort of bold and aggressive action I'm looking for out of this GOP-controlled Congress that we're just not seeing. We're simply not seeing it. And if you think the 2016 election will change much, well then shame on you. This is not about an election. This is about our republic. This is about freedom and liberty, of which none of the candidates, by the way, are talking about. You have Cruz and Rubio in a knuckle-down battle about uh, who's tougher on immigration, who supports amnesty, and who doesn't. That's small ball compared to what we're talking about here. Expanding the reach of federal control into what is a state action, a state's rights issue, a Tenth Amendment issue. And it took Democrats to get this bill passed, this extension of the No Child Left Behind through 2020. Why do we put up with this? Why do we continue to fall for this this message, this mealy-mouth message of, well, we don't control the White House. There's only so much we can get. The Dems, the Democrats don't have that mindset. So never say die. Fight till the end. And even when you lose, as far as the Democrats are concerned, regroup because the Republicans aren't going to crush you into non-existence. They're just going to push you back a little bit. That'll allow you time to regroup and fight for another day. That's what this did. You know that saying, if elections matter, they'd be outlawed? I believe in that. One person isn't going to change any of this. I don't care who you're. Who you are supporting for president in 2016, it's just not going to change much. Because the reason it's not going to change much, the bureaucracy is too big. This thing must be disassembled, not fixed. When I hear people talking, I'm going to fix Washington. You are not going to fix Washington. Washington is broken. It needs to be deconstructed and rebuilt with the foundation still being the Constitution of the United States. That's the foundation. We don't need a foundation. We need a new infrastructure built upon that foundation. But if you're a sucker enough to sit around waiting for the next election thinking that much is going to change, well, like I said, shame on you. So what do we need, Sheriff, you ask? Read the Declaration of Independence. It's right there. That's what we need. Nothing short of a revolution, a pitchfork fork and torches moment is going to change this. David Clark. The People's Sheriff. On the Blaze Radio Network. Coming up today on Pat and Stew. Extreme weather kills uh-huh. 98% less people now than it did like 60 years ago. 98%. Okay, but what about the pollutant CO2, which is uh, toxic? It's, uh, well, waste. It's, first of all, it's not toxic a pollutant. Toxic waste that kills uh, people. It's not a dead. pollutant. Kills but, them dead. 
And it does not kill people dead. Um, Ask the EPA if it's pollutant or not. Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. to David Clark, the People's Sheriff. We're going to stay with the spending that's going on in Washington, D.C. with this recent omnibus bill package from the government into 2016, September 2016. And, uh, you know, we were just talking about this, this expansion of the federal government into education and the opportunity that the conservative GOP had to get rid of this pig, this Department of Education, this No Child Left Behind. I mean, Ted Kennedy supported that bill, for heaven's sakes. I realize that George Bush signed it. But that should tell you something right there. Anything, Ted Kennedy, God rest his soul, He wouldn't support anything that had any tinge of conservative in it. But listen to some of these people that that let us down and that in the renewal of this bill, good, solid conservatives. Jeff Sessions voted yes. Tom Cotton, Jim Inhofe, Charles Grassley, James Langford. Ron Johnson, my senator from here in Wisconsin. Pat Toomey. Joni Ernst. John Cornyn. I mean, it's amazing. It's just, it's just simply, you know, Mitch McConnell, but of course that doesn't surprise, shouldn't surprise anybody. The people voting no. Mike Lee, Rand Paul, Benjamin Sass, Tim Scott, Jim Risch, Michael Crapo. David Vitter, Richard Shelby, we'll talk about him in a minute, Richard Shelby, Jerry Moran, Steve Daines, Jeff Flake, Roy Bunt, Blunt, I'm sorry, not voting, Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, and Bernie Sanders are on the campaign trail. This is staggering, and this is like, like I said, this is one of those that doesn't make the headlines. This doesn't, this isn't sexy. This doesn't have the swagger. But this kind of stuff goes on on a daily basis in Washington, D.C. that we don't hear about and we don't know about back home. And but for sites like the Conservative Review, I would suggest that you bookmark that one. Subscribe to their newsletter. This is how you stay informed with the stuff going on under the surface. The stuff that doesn't make headlines. There's no doubt in my mind that these folks thought this thing would go through anonymously. Because it's not sexy. So now we move on to the omnibus package. That craptacular bill. I like that word, craptacular. Trillion dollars in spending. Nowhere near the tax breaks. By the way, the tax breaks that were included in this, there's no way to, uh, it's not articulated as to how they're going to fund them, how they're going to pay for the tax breaks. It's not with reduced spending. That would be one way to do it. 
So we get this thing that jammed through so they could get out of Washington, D.C. for the holiday. They string us along once again, us meaning we, the people. You know, coming to 2016 saying we got to have the White House so that we can get this conservative agenda moving forward. There is no way that Harry, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Mitch McConnell is going to forward a conservative agenda. We fall for that like the Lucy holding the football, promising not to pull it back from Charlie Brown. He goes to kick it and he knows what's going to happen, but he does it anyway, falls on his rear end. He doesn't even look surprised. You know that blank stare he has after it happens? He's laying on his back. And that's what I feel like as a conservative. We'll be told, oh, we have to have the White House. You have to give us money. We need money. Because once we get the White House, we'll have all the power. You don't need to have all the power. That's a desirable. But there's a way to accomplish an agenda Short of that with what you have. You go to war with the horses you have, not with the horses you don't have. The Democrats know how to fight without all the horses. They did a lot in the last couple of years without the House of Representatives when they control the Senate. Even though they don't control the Senate, they got through this no child left behind. They don't control the Congress. They got it through an extension, an expansion of it. They got the omnibus bill passed. I believe only 18 Democrats voted against it in the House. That means Paul Ryan needed the help of Democrats to get this thing passed. What does that tell you? That means it's full of liberal and Democrat largesse. This thing continues to fund sanctuary cities. Like I said, it continues to fund Planned Parenthood. What a slap in the face. We had Planned Parenthood on the rocks. We had sanctuary city funding on the the ropes. We had it on the ropes. The referee was, was, it started the 10 count. And the Republicans come along and stop the 10 count. This thing continues to fund this this, this nonsense, this inane climate change, this thing going on in Paris now. It continues to fund Obama's illegal immigration, the visa program, taking in more unskilled workers into the workforce, which will suppress wages. I mean, you have to ask yourself, this is like a scene out of Alice in Wonderland. Is this real? Do we really control the Congress? Don't they know how to play chess? When you Chess is a game of strategy. Checkers is not. Obama is playing chess, and Mitch McConnell... And Paul Ryan are playing checkers. Every move matters on a chessboard. It's part of an overall strategy. Every move. It might seem innocuous. You move a pawn one space toward a larger objective. 
Every move matters. Strategy. There's no strategy by this GOP-controlled Congress. Tell me what it is. Tell me what they stand for, first of all. Less spending? No. Less regulation? No. As evidenced by that extension and expansion of the No Child Left Behind, that's regulation. Military superiority? No. The CR, by the way, I'm sorry, the, the omnibus bill, according to Conservative Review, actually is a net loss in military spending. They increased it a little bit, but most of that spending, a lot of it, I should say, goes to the State Department, which is not the military. And so while it looks like there's an increase in the military budget, there isn't. So they don't stand for military superiority or rebuilding the military, which has to be done, by the way. We have to rebuild the military. So you look at all the things that you know continue to stay in here for funding that are very anti-conservative. It's the antithesis of what we stand for. Why would they want to do this to it? It is very deflating. And I'm not suggesting anybody quit. Because we have to continue to fight, but the fight isn't about the next election, as far as I'm concerned. That's just in my view. I will be voting in 2016. But I'm not counting on that. I'm not looking for Superman. I'm looking for we the people to reestablish ourselves as head group in charge of this country. And right now, Washington, D.C., the bureaucracy, our government is in charge. And we have to flip that dynamic. You're listening to David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. I can't even tell you. I was. I was. Uh, I even did an interview for a, for a show over there that was taped, and they did not run it. And I think it was because I was so strident in my saying that Chattanooga was obviously terrorism, and anybody who claims to be a counterterrorism expert and says otherwise is either trying to curry favor with the administration and the Democrats and the left, or isn't a very good expert. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network On Demand. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. So in this last segment, let's do some research. One of the things you should always ask yourself, even as you listen to others, is, okay, well, who else believes that? Who else agrees with that? Who else is saying that? That's part of a uh, thesis review, a literature review, really. So you should be asking yourself, okay, Sheriff, who else agrees with you? Who else uh, thinks that way, and what are they saying? So let's take a look. Here's something from the Daily Signal. What's wrong with the massive omnibus spending bill? This is by Romina Baccia. She has this to say. Early Wednesday morning, the House Rules Committee posted text for the Consolidated Appropriations Act of the 2016 fiscal year. This $1.1 trillion spending package, known as the omnibus, shows Washington at its worst. Lawmakers are being asked to sign off on 2,200 pages. Remember, that's like $575 million per page of spending. Back to the story. With an additional 1,000 pages of explanatory materials 
at the 11th hour without having had sufficient time to analyze its contents. That's what they do in Washington, D.C. That's an editorial comment. That's how they do this. They did this with Obamacare. They've done it with other spending bills. The um, uh, Raising the debt ceiling. They do the same thing. It's this 11th hour business in Washington, D.C. Back to the story. The House plans to begin consideration of the bill on Friday. This was last week. With final votes expected to come Friday afternoon before the House leaves town until January 5th. The omnibus spending package, along with the tax extenders package, is full of provisions that were negotiated behind closed doors. Heritage experts have combed through the bill's numerous provision and provided their analysis on several key issues below. Higher spending. Once again, Congress has missed a critical opportunity to abide by the Budget Control Act spending caps and will not rein in wasteful and excessive spending. Base spending for the omnibus comes in at $1.06 trillion, the level agreed upon in the Bipartisan Budget Act of 2015. The defense and non-defense subcategories are at the agreed-upon levels as well. Overall, 2016, fiscal year 2016, base discretionary spending in the omnibus bill is $50 billion higher than the original Budget Control Act of 2011. With the Bipartisan Budget Act's revised 2017 spending level already set to bust the caps and be above the 2018 cap, unless Congress starts making the tough spending decisions and abiding by the Budget Control Act, we are poised to continue this trend into the future. It's one of the problems that I have with this. Here's a part here about the, uh, uh, the defense budget, which, which, of course, they call the Overseas Contingency Operation. It is at $73.7 billion, with the Defense Department receiving 58.8 and non-defense receiving $14.9 billion. So that says, uh, this is the part here that says, the $8 billion designed for non-defense is likely to be used to cover base budget needs of the State Department rather than continuing war efforts. Once again, using overseas contingency operations money as a slush fund to increase non-defense discretionary spending up to the president's requested level while defense remains underfunded. So don't let any of these Republicans tell you, well, it does increase uh, defense spending. No, it doesn't. It simply does not. Let's listen to what somebody else says, Slate.com. Here's what they have to say, and they call it the Ryan Compromise. Since when Paul Ryan was handed the Speaker gavel in late October, he pledged to restore normal order to the People's House and eliminate the sort of backroom deals that rank-and-file members complain are shoved down their throats at the 11th hour. That's what I just got reading from the Daily Signal. Backroom deals at the 11th hour. So late Tuesday, Ryan unveiled a few thousand pages of consequential tax spending and regulatory legislation, costing roughly $2 trillion and gave Congress and the public, two whole days to review anything. How is this different than Nancy Pelosi and Harry Reid? It's not. It's why I call the Republicans and Democrats on the Hill, in the Congress in Washington, D.C., the ruling class. Please stop trying to tell me that there's a difference on the Hill. I'm not talking about at the state level. On the Hill, there is no difference. There's not any great difference. Let's put it that way. There are some good conservatives 
in Congress. I said there's not much difference between Republicans and Democrats when it comes to spending. They're the ruling class. So back to the story here from Slate. This is by Jim Newell, by the way. I want to give credit where I should. To be fair to Ryan, the buzzer-beating legislation has more to do with the workload and deadlines John Boehner left him than anything he did wrong. The agreement Ryan reached with fellow congressional negotiators also looks much like one Boehner would have reached. Each side scored some points, but Republican congressional majorities, again, will fail to deliver a high-profile base pumping ideological victory over some nefarious aspect of the Obama agenda on which conservatives had drawn a red line. Will this land Ryan in the same hot seat that eventually cooked Boehner? He'll get a pass for now. The two towering paper stacks are the 2016 Omnibus Appropriations Package, which funds the government through next September, as I said earlier, and a tax extender bill that, well, extends in many cases makes permanent a bunch of tax breaks that were set to expire. It says the omnibus is more favorable to Democrats and the tax extenders are more favorable to Republicans, but considered as a whole. See, that's the, you know, what the, what the Republicans will tell you. We had to compromise because we don't have all the power. All right, so each side gets a little bit. But Slate.com says, or Newell says, considered as a whole, an overriding theme is that everyone gets a lot of money. But neither side hammers home the big ticket ideological victory. In other words, it's a compromise, something Democrats usually accept as part of the process while Republicans scream bloody murder. So see, we have to compromise. Republicans, GOP, conservatives, I'm a conservative, not a Republican. We have to compromise. So it says Republicans major get in the omnibus is a lift and a long time bad on crude oil. But you know what? For the Democrats, they dangled it to win all sorts of concessions of their own, which means it wasn't a big deal to them. That's all it means. The Democrats successfully nixed a rider that would have blocked the EPA's proposed Waters of the United States rule, and I'm not going to get into all the boredom of that. But it says here, conservatives also lost on their most well-publicized demands that have dominated cable news, language-restricting Syrian and Iraqi refugee settlement, defunding Planned Parenthood, or blocking President Obama's executive actions on immigration will not be included. So think about that. We always have to compromise. And Ryan had to get Democrat support to get this through. You know, this I, I mentioned we talk about Shelby. Senator Shelby. And what he did was he put through a bunch of spending into this omnibus package. He tried to sneak it in. And then when he got caught with his hand in a cookie jar, he voted against it. He put in all of this pork. He's a Republican. All of this largesse. Because that's what people in Washington do. It's the ruling class. They do what benefits them. And then he turns around and votes against it because he got only because he got caught. We're going to see how this plays out down the road. I hope your holiday and Christmas is going well. I wish you all the best in this Christmas season. 
Thanks for joining me. God bless and good Lord willing. Tune in next week. People Sheriff. Follow me on Twitter at Sheriff Clark, C-L-A-R-K-E. God bless you. The Blaze Radio Network, on demand. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. Find more on demand at theblaze.com slash radio.